it is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had the incredible opportunity to speak with Erica Ender over Zoom video. Erica has written so many songs, has so many awards. She's written probably the biggest song on the planet uh, to this day called Despacito. But she was kind enough to hang out with us and tell us her entire life story as a musician. Celebrating 30 years as an artist this year, born and raised in Panama, always surrounded by music, was performing at an early age, singing at an early age. She could pick up notes on the piano at a very early age. Her godmother taught her some chords on guitar, so she started playing guitar at an early age. Before the age of 18, she was discovered and put on television in Panama. She did this for a handful of years. Ended up getting robbed, losing that job, getting robbed. So at this point has absolutely nothing. She decides to, you know, take the jump, move to Miami and try to make music happen. After a couple of years living in Miami, she finally gets a couple breaks, has some of her songs recorded. She tells us about having to send her songs as E. Ender instead of Erica. because It was hard to get in the doors with people as a woman. She would have males sing on her demos so she could pitch the song as a male vocalist. We heard about her winning her first Grammy Award, a crazy story that went along with that, to writing Despacito and honestly changing the world with that song. It has nearly 8 billion views on YouTube alone, but the song changed the world. And she tells us all about that. And her brand new EP, which is called MP345, where she did three original songs on one side, and then the other side were three cover songs. She's never recorded a cover song, only original material until this record, so she talks to us about that as well. You can watch the interview with Erica Ender on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It would be so amazing if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you are listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be amazing if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Erica Ender. My name's Adam, and this is about you and your journey in music. And I've, well, I'll talk about the, the new, or new record you have out and the cover songs that are on that as well. And I Perfect. just can't wait to hear your story. All right, let's do it. <laughs> cool, cool. So born and raised in Panama. Is that what I read? Born and raised in Panama. My dad was, um, you know, born and raised in the canal zone of Panama, which was American territory until 1999, mm -hmm. December 1999. So he was born and raised there. And then he went to New York, did his high school, went to Brazil, met my mom. They, uh, you know, they studied medicine together. He brought her to Panama. So then I, I was born and raised mostly in Panama. Wow. So your parents are doctors then? Is that you said? My they're... parents are doctors. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then so, I mean, being so musical, like how did that land into your life? Did you come from like, were your parents musical at all? Well, you know that my grandma on my mom's side was an opera singer. My dad wanted to be like, like Frank Sinatra, I think. Because oh, he was really? Yeah. 
I can't listen to a Frank Sinatra song without thinking about my dad. So he grew up listening to a lot of music and they, they fell in love with each other, singing to each other. That's how they learned to speak, you know, Spanish and English, my mom and Portuguese, my dad. They were teaching oh, to each other. So my house, my house was always filled with music. And I grew up listening to a lot of things from my mom's side, like a lot of Brazilian music, bossa nova, samba, even a little bit of Edith Piaf, because my mom comes from a French uh, Portuguese background. And then on my dad's side, all the American, you know, music, a lot of big band, Nat King Cole, but a lot also of uh, Latino music, you know, from from those times, from the vinyl mm -hmm. times. Oh, yeah. Wow. Wow. And were you singing at a very early age? Like, how did you get into music or, or piano? How did you start off? I started, you know, I, I was my, I, I don't know how you call that. We call it empirico. Like when you, when you, when you have it from, since you're little, I would listen to the notes and I would go to the piano and find the notes and start doing it. Oh like that yeah. Very... Perfect pitch. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't say perfect. But I, you know, I was very musical. So then, and then my grandma, uh, and I mean, my aunt, that is also my godmother, my mom's sister, she taught me my first chords in the guitar. So I would just like play a little bit of everything. And then later on, I had some classes. Interesting. Okay. So it was a little bit of everything. Piano, you could hear something, go to the piano and then find the notes on the piano and then eventually learn chords on guitar. Exactly. I don't consider myself a great musician, but I play enough to make my songs and to, you know, perform or whatever I need. I, I really, you know, praise people that really live out of practicing an instrument. I mostly, I would say I'm a storyteller. I, I, I tell say, stories with music and and lyrics probably more you i was gonna say you probably consider yourself more of a songwriter than just using those as like an uh vehicle to to write yes. the music yeah. that you write exactly were you always a storyteller like were you writing from a very early age as well like was that oh something you're always interested in you know that this weekend uh, there's a there's um a tv special coming out that tells my whole story and and i got to remember it remember oh, it wow. right now right now i'm celebrating 30 years of career right that's so cool yeah so I was seeing just yesterday, I was seeing that, that that segment of the show where I was like with my little, you know, fluffy hair because I, I got curls and mm -hmm. going to Brazil when I was like nine. And that's exactly when I started writing my first songs because I would have all my family from my mom's side in Brazil. We would go like for three months. I would spend my vacations there and then I would like be with my cousins and everything, my grandparents, my uncles, aunts, everything. And then I would come back with the stories of what I lived during the vacations. So that was kind of like putting melody and music together from an early age. I wouldn't call myself a songwriter, but I was uh -huh. kind of like telling stories through music since I was like nine. Wow. And with like, when did you start showing people these songs? Like, when did it become apparent that you're like, oh, these are actually like songs and I should continue doing what I'm doing? I think since that moment because okay. i would go straight to my parents listen since i was very little i was like two when i would go to my you know family and my grandparents and everyone like hey i have a new show today can you please gather you know? oh, okay you're 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 entertaining everybody i was very professional since day <laughs> one like i was practicing in front of my mirror the whole week with my music, I, I, I never asked for, I mean, I, I probably I did, you know, ask for certain dolls, but they all had to like either dance, 
saying, do something, you know, do okay. something artistically. And I would mostly ask for karaoke's and microphones and everything. So I would go like, hey, I have a new show for this week. So the whole family was waiting for me to, you know, perform every week. And also at school, I would go like, hey, teacher, can I pass, you know, to the front? Because I've been rehearsing for the whole week. I was very much like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. You're like very <laughs> ambitious. Yeah. you. That's cool that you would go to at school too. I mean, just go up and be like, I'm going to perform for my whole class, which I seriously think is the most, uh, like when I hear stories of artists saying like their first performances were at school talent shows and things like that, I'm thinking like that could possibly be the most terrifying thing ever. If you're playing a coffee shop to 20 people, you're never going to see again versus playing to your whole peer group and kids, you're going to have to continue seeing every day at school. Like that just seems like such a different level of, (laughs) you know, vulnerability really. Well, I don't know what happened to me when they made me, but I had no shame at all. <laughs> like That's for me, amazing. the terrifying thing would be to just, you know, stand still. I was like, hey, I got something going on. And then it was fun for everyone to see. So they would allow me to do everything. You know, I would even sure. imitate my mom's voice to call the to call the shows like, a, let's say, like kind of like the Sesame Streets of Panama and things like that. We had like a mm-hmm. a show called Dominguito, Chiqui Boom. I would call everywhere to, you know book the appointments and go there and perform for the shows. And my mom was like, you have to ask for permission first. And I'm like, I am my own manager. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. That is so cool. That was very much like that. That's brilliant. I've heard uh, uh, people say that too. Like they'll make a fake email address and like, so they're like the manager, but to do it on like the phone, Hey, uh, America Anders manager. And uh, I was wondering if we could book her at your gig. Exactly. Well, later on in life, I had to do that when I didn't have the budget to like actually pay someone to be a hundred percent of the time, my assistant or something, I would be Marcela. And then mm-hmm. I would do my own email <laughs> and everything, name, for sure. God. We all go through that. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. That is so cool. Yeah. Um, when like going through school and stuff, were you playing? Obviously, you're performing. So were you in the orchestra, choir, anything like that? And then did you end oh, up going to school for that as well? You have no idea how I was yelling every time that we were rehearsing for the for the background. Like, hey, teacher, hear me. She never picked me for the for the for the chorus ever. Really? No. Which was great because that gave me more time to rehearse for my own shows. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but still looking she back at it, that teacher's me. probably like, what was I doing? I should reconsider yeah. my career path. <laughs> she never picked me. I wonder what she's thinking right now. <laughs> That's what I mean. Maybe she's reconsidering what she's doing with her life. Like, how did I miss this? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. So did you no, go ahead and end up going to, then to college or anything for school? I'm sorry. Did you attend like college for music as well or no? No, you know that in Panama, we didn't have performing arts or music back then. So I wanted to come to Miami and make my, you know, my career out of performing arts. And then my parents were like, no, you know, the world is going crazy. Imagine now. So right. <laughs> then, uh, what I did was the, you know, the closest one, which was uh, mass communications. Uh-huh. That's what I studied while I was still writing and, you know, and performing. I was on TV for a long time in my country as well. You know that I was singing at um, a summit of presidents, uh, Central American presidents in Panama. And then the PA just went off. Oh, I mean, the wow. track, because back then you were singing to a track, right? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. So I was singing to a track and then the track just, you know, stopped and I had to start entertaining people. And there was a, a TV producer there. I was a minor still. And he goes to my dad like, hey, 
she has talent. Like I would like to cast her for TV. So TV was a total accident in my life that I bless a lot because it taught me a lot, but uh-huh. it came out of that thing that happened. So wow! right after I started like entertaining people. And then when the music came back, they, you know, they gave me a round of applause, like a standing ovation. That was very cute. I think that since I was, I was so shameless that I would just be as enthusiastic and spontaneous as possible. So people would connect to that. Yeah. Yeah. They're probably like, wow, like she really you know, enjoys what she's doing or, you know, like just the fact that you have that most vulnerability to get out there and be like, I'm just going to be me. I, yes. Yeah. People connect yes. with that for sure. I think that's the word, you know, like authenticity, no poses or no, I, I didn't freak out. I'm like, Oh, this happens to anyone. So <laughs> right. that's kind of like, yeah, that's kind of like call the attention of these people. And then I started working on TV while I was you know, writing and singing, but Panama didn't have that platform for, you know, for people that wants to do pop music or, mm-hmm. um, you know, any kind of music uh, to internationalize from there. So I had to, I knew since I was a little girl that if, if that wouldn't change while I was growing up, I would have to, I would have to move somewhere. And then when I was very little, like at nine, I would tell my mom like, Hey, you see how everybody is singing Conga, that song that Gloria Estefan is performing throughout the world. Mm-hmm. I want the world to sing my songs too. I told my mom. Wow. So and now then, they are obviously. So then <laughs> she was like, uh huh, uh huh. How are you going to make a living out of music? And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to have to go because Panama doesn't have the means. But uh-huh. I don't know. I mean, she knew that I was very de- determined, but at the moment that it happened, when I was like 22, she really got shocked. Like, oh my gosh, she's really doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. And did you, is that when you moved to Miami? Or That's like, when I moved okay, to Miami. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you moved to Miami with just a passion and a handful of songs. And then how does the, like the ball start rolling for you? Oh my God. I thought that that show that I did would open some doors, which didn't really happen. I got to meet some people that I got to interview and everything. But then when you're knocking on doors, not everybody opens them for you. Right. You have to start all over again. And I was pretty well known in Panama because I had this primetime show that was three hours every Saturday. Wow. And, and I, yeah, I, I mean, I got, I got fired out of that show because two TV channels merged and they had to fire like 300, 300, oh, yeah. 300 people. No, I, I come wanted- from radio communications. I know exactly how all that stuff works. Yeah. Like when I saw that you had a degree in mass communications, like, Oh, that's cool. That's what I did. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Okay. I totally get that. Yeah. They merge and then they find who makes the most money or who they can re- you know, hire a cheaper person. It's just, yeah, it's just the nature of the, the beast when it comes to that. Uh, that industry but and then they have the union so and i wasn't part of the union yet because i had to be you know from i I started as a minor as i told you yeah so then i i I turned 18 on tv and then you know as time was passing by they they say like hey you really you know you've given so much to this channel because it was not only what i was doing performing you know in front of the cameras but i was also producing writing doing a lot of stuff and they're like we don't want to lose you but we have to fire you due to what's happening right now can we hire you again with uh, through professional services just for you to do this and i was like you know <clears throat> i think this is the right moment for me to 
get this money that I'm getting out of, uh, you know, uh, out, out of this, um, how do you call it? Le- we call it liquidación in Spanish. Like when they terminate you. Oh yeah. Like a severance package type deal. Like a se- uh-huh. like they're going to just give you some money and be like, okay, sorry. You know, you, yes. here's some money so you can live for the next month or two or exactly. whatever it is. Okay. Yeah. Like a severance. Exactly. So I got that, all of that. And I just went straight to Miami and started all over. And then it was my savings. And at the, the first month that I was living in Miami, uh, I was staying at my aunt's house, that one that taught me how to play my first play guitar. Chords. Uh-huh. And then someone got, I mean, some, some guys got inside of my apartment that I was just married. And um, the apartment that we got that we were putting together for like nine months, these people came in and rubbed everything. So I had nothing to go back to. Oh, my gosh. That was that in Miami? Me, that was in Panama. Oh, in Panama. Okay. Yeah, because so, I got oh married my. before I oh, left Panama. Panama. And then everything. Oh, my. That must have been so tragic. I mean, you come oh home God, and there's yeah, nothing right. there. It's oh like your savings gosh. are, you know, disappearing. Yeah. You have nowhere to go back. And then I was like knocking on every door. Nothing was opening. And uh, of course, I was a woman. I was super young. I wanted to be a songwriter in a world of men. It was not possible oh, in, the, in the Latino world. Mm-hmm. They were telling me like, oh, beautiful songs, but they sound too feminine. So I started like coming up with ideas of how to send the songs for them to, you know, get in without that lack of vision that men had in that industry at the moment. And mm-hmm. then I would put like E. Ender instead of Erica Ender and ask male friends to sing the demo so that they could go through for the song oh, or who was writing it. And then when they made it to certain projects, I was like, hey, it's me. Oh, <laughs> wow. Find the back door to get in. Yeah. It was oh 20 gosh. something years ago. Yeah. But still, I mean, it, I mean, you still see that nowadays. I mean, obviously it's changed quite a bit, but like I've talked to other artists before. And, and the thing that I say is like, if I have a laptop with like garage band on it and I can come out and say, I'm a producer where I feel like uh, females don't get the same respect when it comes to that. Like I can put together any garbage that I just came up with on garage band that I spent 15 minutes on and it's like oh, I'm a producer and I'm going to use that as my whole thing pitch and uh, like I feel like there's so much more to prove for for women unfortunately it's awful but yeah it's part of the culture you know I think that women were more you know in the house taking care of the kids you know, taking care of the husband taking care of everything and but then you understand I don't know who invented that to tell you the truth because <laughs> women are either. so capable and I believe <laughs> yeah. that any human being has to just pursue their dreams and be happy of course, we have this motherly thing that it's important because we get to unite people. We're empathetic. We, we, mm-hmm. we, we're the glue that sticks everything together, which is right. beautiful. As men are great also for, you know, hunting and being out there and bringing good things to the, to the house and, you know, and to the table. I mean, physically, we're different, but we do have a lot of capabilities, you know, oh, that sure. are, I mean, not for competing, but for sharing. Mm-hmm. No? And I, I, I did learn a lot from that path. It was not easy at all. I always tell people like, when do you hear like, oh, my female songwriter, my female producer, my female engineer, that's not the usual. Right. So it's an industry of men. And, uh, but I didn't want to see it at any point. I saw it as discrimination. I was trying to look the, the half full part of the glass. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, you know, maybe it's lack of vision. They don't, they don't even, it's not that it's not something personal. It's maybe that they were thought like that. I have to show them that whatever I bring to the table is going to benefit all. And that's mm -hmm. what I started doing. So I started collaborating with men. Nowadays, more than 80% of the songs that have been recorded in my career have been recorded by men. Uh -huh. I am always the only girl in the studio. I'm always <laughs> the only girl around. I learn so much from men because you guys are so simple. Like, what do you think is what you do and what you say? And I love it because women are a little more dramatic sometimes, you know? Sometimes she tells you like, hey, just go. And they want you to stay. I learned a lot of codes from the men's side, which helped me a lot in my life. And I learned that you can be a feminist without losing your, um, your feminine ways. Mm -hmm. And that what's important is to just bring good results and to understand that when we collaborate and we, we bring uh, things that, that benefit everyone, everything turns out good for everyone. And, and then your name and your credibility you, it goes up there, you know, mm -hmm. finds mm -hmm. its place. For sure. With with that, like, what was the first moment that kind of changed everything for you? I mean, you were struggling, you're writing songs, you're you, you having men singing songs to try to get a credit or, or get in these rooms. Like, was there a moment when a song finally got cut or something big happened for you? And how, when did that happen? Almost two years after I got here, to tell you the truth. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was very hard at the beginning. Then I got, you know, robbed, as I told you, then I was losing everything. I mean, my, my savings were like going out, you know, disappearing. And then I was like, you know, like doing everything I could. I started all over again. I did jingles. I did, I translated stuff from Portuguese to Spanish. Portuguese saved me. I was the like the... The voice of discovery kids for a while really <laughs> i sang a bunch of you know brand um commercials and everything in portuguese at the beginning because spanish like spanish was packed in my mm -hmm. head right so right that's what saved me for a while but it, it wasn't enough for me to make it like a good living so and everything that i had i was putting in my demos and everything and i got to meet some people from the industry that started like listening more to my songs and everything until I write uh, the English version of Apuro Dolor, which is a song that was very famous in Latin America. They were doing the crossover. They even sang, the, the group was named uh, Song by Four. They sang with NSYNC at the Grammys. That wow. version that I wrote. And then I go in, you know, I go straight to the Hot 100. I mean, the, the mainstream Hot right, 100 right. with that English version which Sony was, you know, looking for the, for the right one that really would kind of like portray the, um, the soul of the, the original song. And they didn't find the right one until I sent this one. Thank God. <laughs> I am there as E Ender, not even Erica Ender. Oh, That's you're still, you're still E Ender. <laughs> and, okay. then, um, and then, no, but later on the president of Sony kind of knew who I was and everything. And we started working together, but back there, Back then, I'm sorry. Uh, I would say that that was the first break, but that song wasn't really mine. So I don't count it as a song of, that I wrote that made, you know, a difference. So after that, Candela from Cheyenne, Cheyenne is like our, like a Ricky Martin for us in Latin America. Mm -hmm. um, he recorded a song that I co-wrote with Donato Poveda called Candela that made it to the top 25. 
And there, yeah, music and That's what it, were, were oh, wow. that as well. And then I Mama was a huge hit in Europe. <laughs> so I think that that's the one that let me, you know, start saving a little bit, buying a new car in the U.S., buying my, putting the down payment for my house and everything. And then everything started all over for me in that field. Because be, before that, when I was doing everything that I'm telling you, like the voice mm -hmm. of Discovery Kids, I got an agent and everything. And I got to um, present. I was a TV host for a year uh, for Discovery Channel on this technology show while I was recording my demos and everything still. You know, the first year was very tough. The second yeah. one, I had this job where I was yeah, in front of the camera. So TV saved me once again. Okay. And then I, I kept, you know, recording my demos and everything. When I saw that a, that a door opened, then I left TV again. Okay. So it sounds like songwriting, obviously, for you was huge. Uh, you, write, you wrote these songs, then other people were cutting them. Did you also were pursuing your artist project at the same time? Yes. You know that I started singing when I was 16. I told you the whole thing about the, yeah. the Americas and everything. So when I started singing formally, I was like 16. And um, I pursued that career in my country and did whatever I could, you know, until I, I hit the ceiling there because I told you there was no platform. So when right. I came here, I understood that in the big leagues, singing was another thing. You needed a big major company back then. You needed a lot of stuff that maybe today you don't need because you go straight to streaming, right? Right, right. The distribution companies back then, you didn't have that. So you had, and a lot of things that the music industry has also, there is corruption, there is everything. Sure. And, uh, you know, my values didn't allow me to do a lot of stuff. So I kept, I stick to my values and I said, you know what, I'm just going to write for others until the moment comes. Mm -hmm. And then I kept writing the, the list of people's, you know, started growing. And in 2005, because Candela was recorded in 2000. Mm -hmm. And then I got my first ASCAP award. That was super cute. That's huge. And yeah. Then, yes. And then um, in 2005, I come out with my own thing that I paid, you know, I paid for my own um, album. And then I started touring several, several places in Latin America. I got like number ones in Peru, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, my country, Panama, Spain. So I was doing it simultaneously, you know, because I stopped for a while and I was mm -hmm. mostly writing for others until I released that international album. Okay. And then when you're kind of performing as your, your artist project, you're also writing still for other people. Were you just in sessions or would you write Always. a song and be like, oh, like, you know, this really doesn't work for me, but I know I could probably pitch it to somebody else. You know, usually I would write for myself what I need to express. And then when I would write for someone else, it's either something that I have in, in the catalog that I think that fits that person. Mm -hmm. Or mostly I sit down with the artist and I try to do something that is totally, you know, custom made. So it okay. never was a, a big problem for me. And then when I'm in shows, I also do like medleys of the songs that other people have sang. And then I tell the uh -huh. story. So it's, it's. Very oh, cool. That is cool. Yeah. Well, I want to just skip ahead just because I want to talk to you about your your new stuff that you have coming or that just came out with uh, the MP345. But I'm curious with obviously Despacito. Uh, des I can't Despacito. speak. <laughs> Despacito. <laughs> uh, that's like the biggest song ever. It was the biggest video on YouTube for a, a number of years. Like just looking at the, the stream, I mean, the views on that video, there are more views on that music video than human beings living on this earth. Like, isn't that amazing? Oh isn't God. that like mind blowing? Yeah. 
like when that song when you you write the song it, like obviously you know it's a great song but how like when how do you start seeing like everybody in the world being like this is like the best like the greatest song you know that we wrote that song a year and a half before it got launched it was like september 2000 no less than a year and let me see almost two years yeah september 2015 and that was made out of a guitar at Fonsi's, you know, house. He had mm -hmm. this idea since the morning. He was like, hey, I have this idea that woke me up that where I'm splitting the syllables of the word despacito, which already mm -hmm. means slowly, you know? Right. And then he sang to me that first line, like, despacito. What do you think about this, Erica? And he goes like, despacito. in Puerto Rico. And he says, like, I want to say something like, you know, um, quiero hacerlo en una playa en Puerto Rico. Like I, I want to make it, I want to make out in a in a Puerto Rico, you know, mm -hmm. the beach. And then I responded, rhyming like hasta que las olas griten ay bendito until the waves scream ay bendito, which is a which is a slang they have there, right? Oh, and then we started wow. laughing out of that. I said like I love the idea, I think it's amazing. And then he kind of like had the phrasing, but the notes were going somewhere else were lower notes so we started changing that melody up so it became uh, a little more um, a little happier on the hook uh -huh. and we started uh, you know doing the whole thing from scratch out of a guitar no beats no producer nothing super organic that song came uh, you know came out like in three hours we mm -hmm. did it like from three to six at six i was already going to my house when we were writing it, we were like really vibing it, you know, it was flowing so good. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to have to go. Maybe I'll win for him. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, do what you no, do. Let him. Okay. <laughs> he goes crazy a little bit for him. No so then um, it was very natural. Yes, we were feeling like we had a big thing in, in our hands. But usually, Adam, when you go into a studio and you have zero, and things start flowing, you always feel the same thing. Because mm -hmm. it's beautiful to walk in and have zero, walk out and have a work of art that would be like the soundtrack of so many people's lives. Mm -hmm. So that same feeling you've had before. I can't tell you like, oh, I know that this song is going to break all records. In the no. Right, right. We put all of our energy there. We knew that we had a hit, but we've had that, you know, that feeling before. And it has happened, not as huge, but it has happened. But we can never imagine that it would make a difference in the world in such a way that Spanish would, you know, make it to, to mainstream. Because mm -hmm. usually then, I was, I was pursuing that crossover since I was watching Conga. With right. Right. But I thought that I would have to write it in English, maybe with some Latin rhythms, but in English. And now you go to Australia, you go to the Emirates, you go anywhere in the world. And then you hear Rosalia, Balvin, Maluma mm -hmm. after that, so, which is a huge, you know, a huge blessing that very same day that it came out, which was January 13th at the end of the day, when Fonsi calls me like, Hey, we have, he called me like four hours after it was lunch. And he's like, Hey, congratulations, my friend. We're number one in 14 countries. I'm like, what? I'm like, Oh my God, congratulations. You know, congratulations. I need to congratulate you. You're the one defending the song. And then um, by the end of the day, I'm getting hashtags because people, you know, in the industry and everything knows, knows people. So right, right, right. They knew that I, that I co-wrote the song. And then I started seeing hashtags of people around the industry and of other singers. Other singers started singing the song 
the same day and they were like, you know, quoting the, the lyrics of the song the very same day and doing their own versions and everything. So it became viral like this. And then it was a snowball that never, never stopped. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't, like, it's insane to see how, I mean, the, like I said, the song is obviously incredible, but to see how massive it got and just like it, to the point where like, you know, Justin Bieber's featuring on it. Like, and then it just like keeps going, like it's already massive. And then it just keeps going and going and going and going. And it's like the biggest song in the world. Adam and the way it happened, because we were, we were already working in the English lyrics of the song. And then Universal was proposing two people to Fonsi so they could do that version. Mm -hmm. And out of nowhere, Justin Bieber hears a song in Colombia and he calls to say that he wants to record it. I mean, it was like <laughs> everything just got perfectly aligned, you know? Yeah. I mean, well, your guys' version has the, what's really cool, I think, is that your the version that you, you all did first is the one that has the incredible music video views and all of that. Like his version obviously is does, but it's like yours is that nearly 8 billion people have watched the video. And then the Bieber one, not that it's not great. It's like 22 million, which is still insane. Right. But it's like the fact that the one that you guys originally created, it wasn't like the song was there and then Justin Bieber gets on it and then it goes big. It was like, the song was already the biggest thing ever. And then he wants to get in a part of it because it's art. I mean, it's already a thing. Right. And it's, yeah, but we also have to give it to him that, I mean, the fact that he took us so fast, he took the song so fast to number one and it kept there for 16 weeks. Yeah, I think that's that true. That when he jumps in, because this, he jumps in like in April. So it was like, like a second launching of the song. Uh -huh. We were already number one, like in, in UK, which uh -huh. supposedly never a Spanish song made it to the number one in the UK. Yeah, we well, I can like see for, that. Yeah, that's crazy. Like for 10 weeks. And then in, in, in Italy, we were number one, like for three months, <laughs> some, some crazy stuff like that. And then when he jumps in, we were already like, I think in number 30 something or 40 in the top 100 mm -hmm. going the, all the way up. But when he sings it from in a week, it goes from like the 40s to number nine, then next week to number three. And then it stays in number one for 16 weeks and <laughs> ties up Mariah Carey's song and, and Boys to Men. Yeah. So I do think that the, the, the fact that he jumped in, even if the song was being a phenomenon, really made it. It really made a difference on, on the mainstream world, especially sure. within the U.S. So I think that's so, and it's so beautiful that he decided to record it mostly in Spanish. Right. You I know? know. That's so cool. What a yeah. market trending. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. It's so, so amazing. And the fact that you're celebrating 30 years uh, as an artist, like that's so cool. Like congratulations on that. Yeah. And you put out the MP345. That's the most recent record correct and you did a few covers on it and, and a music video you just released like tell me about that and like you know coming to 30 years as a career then is it like okay i want to use these songs and i'm going to do these three covers like where was your mind at at that point it's the first time that i'm ever recording a song that i didn't write to tell you the truth because really song, yeah my songwriting is like the, my way of expressing when you're a singer songwriter you have things to say but then since this was you know my 30th anniversary you stop and you think like, hey, what made me? It's not only the experiences. It's not only, you know, the songs you have done. It's not only the awards and, and the people that have trusted your, you know, your stories or your talent. It's the people that is in your hard drive, you know, in the back, in the back of your brain and deep inside your heart that I really believe that 
make someone. And when I was little, I was telling you, I was so exposed to so many kind of artists and music and genres mm -hmm. that I stopped and I say, you know what? I would love to make something that honors those vinyl records yeah. that I used to hear when I was little that mm -hmm. really made me without me knowing, you know, that, that teaches, that taught me to, you know, to write this a, a certain um, way or to maybe create melodies in a certain way. You know, I, I, I really think that those singers and those songs shape me in a way. Mm -hmm. So then I said, you know what, I'm going to do this album called MP345. The MP3 side is the A side because it went out in digital and on vinyl as well. Oh. And I said, it's the two Ericas, the Erica that, that is, you know, avant-garde that doesn't care, that goes, you know, in front of everyone and says like, hey, I have something to show you. here." <laughs> But the classic Erica that also, you know, praises every single instrument, the time that every musician takes to practice it, the big band era, like everything. Mm -hmm. So I did the, the A side that was the MP3 side out of the songs that I wrote for this album. And then the B side, which is the songs that I honor that made me in some way. Oh, and then it comes back to the 45s from the vinyl and back in, you RPM, know, yes. yeah, the RPMs. Yeah, wow. Exactly. So then um, right now we already did like all the, you know, the videos and all the promotion for the, the songs that I, that I've written as a mm -hmm. songwriter, singer songwriter. And now we're starting with the Erica that goes back to the divas that I used to admire when I was little. So I, I switched to an old Hollywood look. Oh, so and that's then, what the video is for yes. Abrazame. Okay. Like exactly. you're on the stage and it, yeah, it's that old Hollywood feel. Like if you're oh, at a nightclub. Exactly. Old Hollywood feel. And then I sang a certain, you know, classic songs that really made a difference in my life and that have anecdotes behind. So I'm going to, this one that we're releasing right now is in Spanish. Abrazame. That mm -hmm. was um, originally performed and written by Julio Iglesias. But then we're also going to do Soloku, which is from Dorival Caimi from Brazil, that the, the, the singer was Gal Costa. She had like this big hair. And I, when I was little, I was like, she has big hair and she's fine because I had big hair and I got, bullied, you know, bullied. Oh, and yeah. Cool. And then we're gonna, I'm going to sing also When I Fall in Love from Nat King Cole, you know, other songs that really marked me in some way. And I want to, you know, live that fantasy of being one of those 50s divas. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. While I'm you, honoring that, you know? Yes. Are you doing video? So you're going to do videos for the other two as well? Yes, we already did. Oh, yeah. you did. Okay. Very, very cool. Coming well, right after. I love it. I love the video you, you did for a resume. That's the one I've seen so far. And it's, yeah, it's so cool. It's all, it, it's shot in black and white. And, you know, the way that you, you're just like on stage, it just has that like total old Hollywood in a nightclub, you know, little candles on the table type look to it. Yeah. And it's so cool. Yeah, 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 for, for sure. I'm super excited about it. And um, we recorded it. Part of it, I, I have a story to tell you. You know, I want to hear it. Yes. Mostly in Brazil, because I wanted to sound jazzy. I wanted to sound like global, but with a touch of Brazil, because my family's from Brazil, as mm -hmm. I told you, a touch of Latin, a touch of Brazil, but uh, also like global, right? So we recorded part of it in Brazil. Then we recorded in Capitol Records in LA. Mm -hmm. And you believe that the day that I'm recording, um, when I fall in love, the person in the studio out of six studios, six different studios tell me like, Hey, do you know that he recorded the song originally in this studio? <laughs> really? And I started 
brain remembering my dad when my, my dad would play that song for me, you know? Oh, wow. I was like, really? I want to see it. So they took me to the back, you know, uh, to the... Um, to the back room where they had like the I don't know how to call the this uh, this las cintas I don't know how to say that like like the awards and stuff for no, oh, like the uh, actual uh, oh my oh, god oh the tape like the like tape. the oh, yeah yes, the old sorry, record I tape okay yeah, no 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 and then I go back there and I see that you know the the tracking of the songs that were recorded in that very same studio and I go like yeah. oh my god thank you for the energy and the magic and thank you for the memories. That's so, so cool. Beautiful. That is so cool. That's awesome. And then I think they have his mic there, right? That he recorded that song on. I, I, it's probably in some glass. I've just heard uh, somebody tell, tell me about that. that like that's an, like some relic in that building. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, that, it's such a, I mean, a special energy, you know, how many people pass by there, by there and, and did such amazing records. Mm-hmm. Music needs that so much. <laughs> yes. I totally agree. And are you you're still writing songs? I would imagine. I am still writing songs right now. I have two singles that are out there in the Latino market. The Tigres del Norte right now has a song called Me Falta Un Pecado. They were the ones that practically handed me my first Grammy. Wow. I don't know about, you know, the regional Mexican, but it's a very macho genre. You know, mm-hmm. usually someone that is a woman would not write for men in that genre, and especially a woman that is not Mexican and I'm Panamanian. So it was a beautiful moment when they got to pick this song um, that I co wrote as well with Monica and, and Manu. And uh, it won a Grammy. It, it was my first Grammy. And my first Grammy was in the most difficult, you know, genre. That, it, that I could have wanted in, in the Latino world. So wow, that must have been such a special moment. Like, oh my you know, God, like here, you have no oh, idea. And oh four days God. before I had appendicitis. So I, 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 I almost didn't make it to the Grammys. I have a lot of stories to tell, my friend. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. Wow. Yeah. I was so motivated because you know that we were with it. Panama was with this huge scandal of the Panama Papers. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, you know, I have such a beautiful country. We all, you know, have beautiful countries, but sometimes some news might not be the best ones. And we all have our good and our bad. Mm-hmm. So when that happens, I was like, no, I'm winning this Grammy and I'm bringing, um, you know, a happy day to my people because their moral was like down there. Yeah. And then uh, when the doctor tells me like, no, Erica, you can't travel. You can't, you can't go on a plane. And I'm like, I was in LA and I go like, okay, we're driving. I'm hiring, you know, a driver, but I'm going and I made it. And I mean, I want it. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you drove all the way down to the Grammy awards from LA. Yeah. Like, okay, LA. I can't fly. I'm just going to, I'll just drive down there. Okay. Yeah. No, but oh. I was, I was in LA and it was in Vegas. So it wasn't, oh, that okay. it wasn't that far. Okay. I mean, yeah, it, but yeah. the bad thing was that he told me like, Hey, you have to out of the, I don't know if you, you call it laparoscopy, laparoscopy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of surgery. yeah. Surgery. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, they fill you with air and everything and it's, it's delicate, the, the mm-hmm. recovering after that, because your, your um, veins could get like a clog or whatever. Yeah. They can so clot up. Yeah. Use- that's what happened. My, yeah. My brother-in-law recently had that done, unfortunately, right, but yeah. So he told me like, you can be, you know, standing still for so long, you're going to, you're going to let the driver drive you for 45 minutes and then you have to stop and walk for walk. other 15 mm-hmm. until you make it. So it took us forever, but we got there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm from San Diego, so I know that drive to Vegas quite well. And it's like, 
you probably had a lot of time where you're just stuck on the that freeway anyway. You could just get out and walk around in the desert and come back. Probably exactly. car hadn't even moved yet. Yeah, it's exactly. that's the uh, the 15 gets stuck there for forever. It's like the worst. Um, yeah, but it, it, it was so worth it, you know. But so wow, bad. I mean, how cool to win that and just yeah, that had to be such a big moment, obviously in your life. That's so amazing. It was for sure. Wow, it was. Wow. So now, right now they 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 have this. Um, single that is out there also the new album of gloria trevi i know that maybe you're not familiar with this artist but uh she she was the one that recorded a song of mine that was very very famous famous it was like 52 weeks in the top five wow we were awarded like two years in a row out of that song and uh, she just released an album as well where she has another song of mine cheekies as well like this they have like three and then i'm working with people in nashville i'm going a lot to nashville are I you really love. that's where i live now oh my I, god really? so cool yeah i moved from san to diego to nashville yeah i know that is so awesome i'm going every other month to nashville and writing stories as i you know the way i love it and then to you know back and forth from la as well because especially to open new doors and and um, i want to use them as well and make sure that we can you know connect in other genres and then i'm doing things with you rub here and there everywhere very cool that is so awesome well congratulations obviously on the longevity of your career and like everything you've done is so impressive and i just i'm just yeah i love what you're doing obviously i love the video you put out for resume and and just so cool thank you so much for your time i really really appreciate it thank you for your time it was a great conversation though this has been awesome feel yeah. like an interview oh that's that's what i love <laughs> that was the point uh i do have one quick question that might feel interviewee but i want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists of course that's why you know that what that's the main reason why i like to tell the whole story because sometimes you watch TV and uh, or whatever nowadays streaming and <laughs> you see the stories of people and you think that they were already made mm-hmm. and it's not like that. And I love telling people like, hey, I got robbed. I lost my uterus. I've been divorced twice. Like, I, you know, I, I've, I've had times where I had no money at all, but I didn't let my faith, you know, disappear. I, I kept, you know, my values, my will. I trusted my talent. I was making sure that authenticity was always there, which I think it's a key, especially nowadays when we live such a, in a such um, such of a superficial world. And uh, I think that it's important for people to see that you know you have you have blood, you have bones, you're you're a regular human being that with determination and strength can get wherever you want. And what I do believe is very important is for you to never lose your essence, your values, because then you can get lost in a material world. And what I really think that makes a difference is when the essence connects with the rest of the world. So just keep it up. Even the most difficult times, you know, can teach you great lessons. And if you keep going forward and evolving, evolving and learning and mastering your craft, you can make it big for sure.